African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. We're looking at uh, the Vatupin Suda exit from her position as chief prosecutor. She made her exit as chief prosecutor of the International Criminal Court to ICC. Pinsuda denied accusations tainting the court while she was heading it that the ICC was only interested in prosecuting Africans. In a BBC interview, she said the accusations were part of a propaganda campaign by those wanting to discredit the court. Under Donald Trump's presidency, Washington opposed decisions made by Bensouda to examine war crimes allegations in Afghanistan, including against Jewish troops and alleged atrocities in the Palestinian territories by Israeli troops, Palestinians and other armed groups. The incoming chief prosecutor, uh, British barrister Karim Khan took over last week Wednesday with a pledge to improve the ICC's track record by taking only its strongest cases to trial. Khan, who is only the third person to hold the role, faces many challenges at a, a time of fierce political pressure in the world's permanent war crimes tribunal. Well, to assist us on this, we're joined on the line by Professor William Gumete, Executive Director of the Democracy Works Foundation, and Sanusha Naidu. Uh, from the Institute for Global Dialogue. Thank you both for giving us your time. Please excuse my flu-like voice this morning. Good morning, Ben. It's lovely to be on the show again. I promise you it's not Corona, Professor Kumete. I promise you I'm still alive, Sanusha. (laughs) But but, but we're social distancing right now, so we don't really have to worry. (laughs) So let me start with you, Professor Kumete. As I mentioned in that intro, that uh, Bensuda's term was tainted with this uh, accusation of uh, the ICC chasing after Africans. What's What's your thought about her term? No, actually, you know, uh, her term was much more successful than her predecessor. I mean, mm. you know, a lot of the criticism against her predecessor, um, uh, Mr. Moreno Ukambu, mm. uh, was essentially um, the fact that he focuses, he focused on Africa most of the time, and also that they haven't been at the time successful in actually prosecuting people. You know, so there's a lot of investigations, but they, they, you know, they couldn't bring the investigation to prosecution. I think, you know, under un, under her, um, things changed dramatically. And yes, um, you know, there were African criticism um, of her, uh, but most African countries, um, except Rwanda, you know, stayed as part of the court's uh, jurisdiction and the mm. court's um, process. And secondly, also, see, you know, they started to look at the U.S. and Russia, um, you know, because the U.S. Um, don't see itself under the jurisdiction of the court, and Russia is also, you know, similarly. So she started to begin, to, you know, to look at cases of the U.S. and Russia. Hmm. Sanusha, I heard um, a sentiment of acknowledgement there to Professor Gumeta's assertion that uh, it was a successful term for uh, Fatou Bensouda. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, heading up an institution like the ICC is a very contested institution at the start of the whole thing. So it's not an institution where the 
playing ground is fair or where there's an equitable level of engagement. There's bias in, in, in the way that the ICC had to con- con- contest this, this terrain. So it's an imperfect institution. And so when you try to measure and you, and you measure her success, you've got to recognize that it wasn't a, an institution where you can measure the success in, in very reductionist terms. You've got to understand that it's, it, was, it is politicized. It was, they were false. There were, there were, uh, there were incredible questions of legitimacy, credibility. And more importantly, I think there was also the question around, you know, coming in, as, as William has said, and quite rightly so, coming in with a legacy where she had to put a lot of things right. She had to firefight, uh, particularly taking on the, what, what, what was left as a legacy for her from the previous, uh, prosecutor, and that was Mr. Ocampo. And, Invariably, I think the challenge was how that identity of the office had changed under the under the under the auspices of Mr. Ocampo and what it really achieved in during his time as in the office of the of the prosecutor. And in, invariably, one of the one of the key challenges was, uh, as William rightly pointed out as well, is there was a lot of big talk coming out of that office, but not enough. Um, convictions or prosecutions and so forth. And I think um, what's important is that she had to stabilize that office and she had to also deal with the fact that she was an African woman uh, coming into that office from the Gambia also dealing with the fact that halfway through her term, there was an anti-ICC reaction to the to to the uh, to from Africa towards the, the the court, and she had to navigate that space. Um, and 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 in, you know. To all of this, I think she has managed with the, with the way her decorum is. I mean, I had the pleasure of meeting her mm. very many years ago, uh, mm. and, and and just sitting in the room with her, you you get a sense of calmness, you get a sense of serenity, you get a sense of purpose, but you also get a sense of 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 of, of righteousness that she comes into that into that space. And I think to a large extent, she brought that in, and she had to make sure she carried it through. Also, navigating the bullies of the international system. I mean, we talk about um, we talk about the Trump uh, presidency and how they reacted to the fact that she was willing to take on the bullies of the international system, but she wasn't going to be bullied. You know, mm-hmm. she leaves a very interesting legacy for her, for her successor, Mr. Ka- Mr. Khan, in terms of what he's going to prioritize as key issues and key investigations to take forward. He's got a whole list of them and whether or not, you know, he would be pressurized into deciding what the priority would be. But of course, he's going to, you know, as you said in the insert, he's going to take on cases that are going to be achievable and winnable. That's, that's something that we have to monitor as we go forward. And he also comes in with, some, with, with, with a lot of experience because he was on the other side of the, of the, of the office uh, in, 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 in the ICC. He was defending. He was the lawyer defending people mm. like William Ruto uh, and, 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 of course, Charles Taylor and others. So I think he, 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 he can see both sides of the, of the spectrum. So I think that, for me, is the way I would characterize her success is she dared to confront a big major powers. She brought a sense of stability and semblance and order. She navigated the challenges of the geopolitics of the world that we live in, where some people feel that they, some countries feel that they are unaccountable and others are much sure, accountable sure. and mm. so forth. Mm. Professor Kumete, very interesting insights coming from Sanusha. I'm, I'm interested in, in that debacle in terms of the integrity of uh, uh, the International Criminal Court that was questioned, especially after Laurent Gbagbo's uh, case uh, uh, was actually thrown out. There seems to be lack of evidence in, in that light. And there was a lot of criticism, the fact that Laurent Gbagbo was under uh, the International Criminal Court's uh, uh, handling for many years. Um, 
did that was the case uh, uh, a determining factor for the ICC and the fate of Fatou Ben Souda? Um, you know, yes, absolutely. They were factor this is you know against um, against the court. Um, it was just in terms of I think incompetent investigations. Uh, um, I mean, and again, one has to say investigations are very difficult. It's not not really easy. Hmm. Um, so I think Bussi brought uh, much more professionalism um, to it, and she also was much more balanced, So, which meant she brought much more cooperation, even from the people who she investigated. And, and that is uh, absolutely important. And I think for me, her notable victories were when, you know, the conviction of former Ugandan Charles Holderton, uh, uh, under Dominic Ogwen, mm-hmm. and then the former military uh, leader, Bosca, the Ganda uh, yes. atrocities in the Eastern uh, Democratic Republic of Congo. And also, I mean, interestingly, you know, Ahmad Ahmadi for the destruction of culturally protected properties in Mali. I mean, this, you know, it's a range. You can see it's a wide range of things that she, she had taken on. Absolutely. And maybe the media has been zooming into the failures rather than this, uh, uh, you know, multiple challenges and different cases that she had to, to deal with, Professor Gomez. Absolutely. And, and I think really the Africans, because she's African, and, and their criticism of her, uh, and, you know, which I, I thought was unfair, uh, because there's no other court, sadly, to deal with uh, uh, atrocities in Africa, because, you know, African leaders are absolutely unaccountable. Rebel leaders in Africa are unaccountable. You know, local courts are not going to take on people. They're not going to take on the president. Um, the African-wide type of courts are, you know, touchless, ineffective. Where do African citizens go to? I mean, that is absolutely the only court left uh, for them because African judiciary across the continent are so touchless. Um, there was just one thing I needed to correct to you. I said earlier on that it was um, the one that had left the court. It was Burundi. Mm, uh, yes, yes. Um, to left the court, mm, you know, mm. over uh, Omar Basir. Yes, yes. Uh, um, investigation. Indeed. Um, let's look at that period, Professor Kumete, before I go back to, to Sanusha, of when the African Union was debating on whether uh, we, we should withdraw some member states from the International Criminal Court. We know South Africa was part of the, that debacle, but as you highlighted earlier on, there seems to have been confidence that was uh, restored by Fatou Bensouda's uh, insistence that, uh, you know, the court is not chasing after Africans. Uh, what that, did that period represent for the ICC and also for Fatou Bensouda? You know, that was the most critical for the ICC and also the most critical period for her career, uh, especially the fact that she was African. So, I mean, for me, a leadership style, she did a lot behind the scenes uh, that we haven't seen, you know, it was not in the public eye. Mm. It was, was, you know, without... Um, behind the scenes, you know, um, persuaded that, you, you know, there's, there's a lot of other parallel cases, you know, she was taking uh, The course was taking on. It's not just that Africans alone uh, were being prosecuted. Um, so it's just really her, uh, her style, her leadership style. I mean, it's an absolutely amazing leadership style. Um, the dignity uh, or the authority, quiet authority. And one also has to think in the context of women, as an African woman, you know, African leaders are all very patriarchal. Mm. Um, and 
that, you know, she, she could um, actually, uh, you, you know, um, uh, persuade people. And yeah, we yeah. also have to look at the context of Western countries. You, you know, uh, often there are um, uh, some racism still uh, mm-hmm. around where if you're, you know, if you're African, particularly if you're a woman, um, you're not seen. Mm. Um, you know, she was not forceful. Yes. Um, but you could feel her presence. And she was very, very fair. Um, and I just think about it, all of those African countries during that um, Umar al-Basid affair um, who wanted to leave, um, that only one country actually at the end left, and that was Burundi. Mm-hmm. And Burundi left because, you know, there's so many um, potential investigations, you, you know, in, in Burundi. Mm-hmm. So they were, it was really, for them, it was not about Umar al-Basid, but for them, it was about themselves. Hearing, you know, they, the investigations and the, the court, uh, you know, uh, getting in there in, 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 into Burundi. We're getting uh, insights from Professor William Gumet, the Executive Director of the Democracy Democracy Rather Works Foundation. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing things and all over the place. I think my flu is getting to me. Uh, that's the Executive Director of the Democracy Works Foundation. And Sanusha Naidu is joining us from the Institute for Global Dialogue. And I'm sure Sanusha, after the break, wants to highlight some of those issues around the fact that she was a woman leader representing the continent and she had these issues of patriarchy to deal with, not just from a continental perspective, but we know patriarchy even is an international phenomenon, especially when you have to deal with the likes of Donald Trump and what they did to her when they actually were embargoed her from the United States was a sign that there was definitely a force against her. We'll look at that after our break. When I think back to my childhood, geographically, it reminds me of a time where I was black and only black and only struggling, but at the same time, always reaching for something more, something bigger in a South Africa that was hostile. Hello, Africa. This is 1000 African Voices, and I'm your host, Avurengui. Join me on Channel Africa every Thursday morning between 8 and 9 and on Saturday and Sunday morning between 9 and 10. Rise, Africa, rise. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Want to live a healthier life? Then put away that salad and grab your plantains because on Live Well, we do health the African way. Join me, Balesa Tau, on the mission of healthy African living. Mondays, 10 a.m. CAT. Live Well, healthy mind, healthy body and a happy spirit. You are listening to Channel Africa. It's 21 minutes past 11 o'clock. That's South African time or Central African time. Thank you for joining me, uh, Benjamin Mushatama. And uh, we have the privilege uh, to speak to two professionals and experts on this uh, issue today, where we contextualize uh, the uh, turner of Fatou Bensouda as uh, a chief prosecutor of the International Criminal Court. If you're just joining us now, we have Sanusha Naidu from the Institute for Global Dialogue, which is associated 
affiliated with the University of South Africa. Thanks to Professor William Gumeto, who's joining us as well from Democracy Works Foundation. Uh, Sanusha, very important insights. And I was trying to run away from that uh, um, question because sometimes as a man, you try not to ask these questions because they could be mistaken as you entrenching a patriarchal insight. But very important point uh, that she was uh, a female leader from the African continent, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's very important to contextualize her own uh, professional background, her historical background, and more importantly, the the kind of glass ceilings she had to break through to get to where she was and where she is as a respected international human rights lawyer, prosecutor, heading up a very, very important global institution dealing with hum- uh, crimes against humanity. And I think even in the Gambia, where she, she that's her, 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 her country of, of, of birth, identity, um, she had to get through that patriarchal system. And I think in Africa, as in elsewhere in the world, and we don't only look at this in Africa, but I think across the world, the patriarchal system has become so entrenched where women have been having to fight these, these, these different battles across many different fronts uh, just to get recognized in terms of their profession, their identity, and their ability to contribute to the discourse, the narrative, the scholarship. And in, 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 in all faculties and all disciplines across the, 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 the sectors, whether mm. we're talking about law, whether we're talking about medicine, whether we're talking about uh, uh, corporate, uh, corporate entities, um, academia, etc., there's a constant battle for women to basically get hurt. And, and, and the fact of the matter is there's something inherently wrong with the way the system works. The system assumes that women will play a secondary role, and if you make it in the world of, 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 that we have created as a very, as a very male energy-centric world, hmm. then at the end of the day, there must be something that you did that you got through the top in some kind of way that may not be uh, kosher at times. And I think that's just the way in which this world is very, is, is, is very uh, um, narrow, it's very parochial, and it's very hard on women. And you mm. look at women in the workplace, in the achievements that women have, have, have accomplished over the last century and a bit, um, as things that don't necessarily recognize the potential. And I think that is why, for her, that legacy and how she brought her personality to the ICC is important because it wasn't just about the ICC where she navigated these patriarchal systems and also dealing with uh, bullies in, 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 in all forms and, 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 and sizes, but also dealing with it in, a, in, a, in her own home country yeah. where these structures are very entrenched. And I think to, to, to reiterate the point that William was making, I think the, the, the challenge is that the way we look at these positions is we always want to look at where the negative lies, where mm. the negative lens is. And I think that's also inherently something inherently wrong with the way um, our, our reporting, our media spaces are structured as well in terms of that energy. But more importantly, I think the, the, the challenge would be is, will there be the same level of attention paid to her um, as it will now be paid to, the, to, to her successor, Mr. Khan, mm. and what he achieves and what he doesn't achieve, and whether we'll ask the same systemic questions and systematic questions about, you know, is it because she was a woman? Is it because mm. she was confounded by these, these patriarchal systems? And I think these are the challenges that we have to overcome. On the point of in Africa, we don't have an institution that holds heads of states accountable. William is right, we don't, but we do have certain institutions that are not capacitated and have been de- destabilized or disabled not to do what they are supposed to do. I think of the Banjar Court, yeah. the Court of African uh, and, and People's 
human rights. Uh, I look at the Sadiq Tribunal, which was just completely crumbled mm-hmm. because he didn't want to deal with some of these issues. And I think the challenge for Africa with the second, with this new generation, this millennial generation, is to bring those institutions back into the fold, into the fore, and to capacitate them. Mm-hmm. Because if we have those institutions working in the continent, then we won't have these narratives that the that the ICC is being biased towards Africa. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Let, let's come back to her. Um, having dialogues with the African Union. That's a point I also wanted to get your insights from, Sanusha. Yeah, I think her constant engagement with with the African Union, and and you must remember that the ICC bloc has a a a majority or the or the predominant bloc or the dominant bloc is the African bloc, like in the G77 and so forth. And I think that is something that you know. When, when, when she came and she was nominated and she was then appointed as the as the second prosecutor for the ICC, um, it was very important that the that 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 connection with the AU continued to remain intact. Yes, there would have been very difficult conversations had with the AU. There would have been member states. Remember, the highest executive body of the AU is the Assembly of States. And we, if we think back to what happened at the Pan-African Parliament and all those debacles there, mm-hmm. I mean, there's questions here about how did she engage through the office of the, of the, of the AU commissioner, the office, uh, and heading up to the, to the Assembly of States. Mm-hmm. And I think to a large extent, that communication was very important because after a while, what we saw, I mean, the, 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 the point about the three countries, in fact, it was a home country that was one of the applicants that wanted to leave the ICC. I can imagine how she must have felt mm-hmm. having to deal with that issue mm-hmm. as Absolutely. <laughs> and um, you know, so after after the whole Bashir debacle, and then we saw uh, the shifts in, especially in South Africa and in Gambia, where the the, the shift away from this application to leave the, the uh, to to basically uh, remove membership from the ICC changed, and then we saw that the, from the South African side, we saw that the the, the Ramaphosa president is showing support and, and continuing in the ICC, I think also has to do with, with what's happening at the domestic, at the national level in member states mm-hmm. in Africa, how the shifts in leadership, how the shifts at the political level, at the national domestic level may have implications and does have implications at the, at the international level. And I think that continuous relationship in dealing and navigating these different divi- divides in terms of the kind of, 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 of even in Africa, we, mm. we, we don't only have to talk about the major powers like the U.S. being a bully. I think even in Africa, there was a sense of trying to bully her as well, yeah. to say that because you're an African candidate, because we, we kind of gave you our support, uh, you've got to take a particular trajectory. And I think she pushed back on that. And I think I, I really applaud her for that because it's that constant engagement and, and sticking the course and not, not essentially going and saying, okay, I'm moving, I'm moving the goalposts for myself or for, for, for my African constituents. Sure. Uh, Professor Gumet is such an important pointer because that also showed her resiliency from an international dynamic, not just from an African context, because we saw even just the pushback from the Trump administration when they named her as a specially uh, designated national, which bars her from the United States. I mean, to be called a specially designated national, you have to be from an authoritarian regime. You have to be an international criminal. And here you are as a lawyer of one of the biggest uh, um, courts that is looking for human rights justice. That was a huge contradiction in, in, in that international dynamic? Absolutely. I mean, you know, the obstacles that she faced um, because she was also determined, you know, um, to take on the U.S. Um, for war crimes in Afghanistan and Palestine. 
And, you know, the U.S. have opposed um, the court uh, mm. jurisdiction now, you, you know, for many decades. Um, and she also um, tried to get also take on the U.K. also, you, you know, um, for possible uh, uh, human rights abuses in Iraq, um, the army day. Um, and again, you know, that kind of opposition. So, you know, on the one hand, it plays African opposition. And then, and as, you know, on the other hand, she also stands uh, a faith Western, you know, a real, really powerful kind of opposition. Then, of course, also, you know, she began to take on Russia also. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, again, uh, uh, you know, very powerful um, country. And she was starting um, behind the scenes to take on China also. Um, I mean, really, it was almost like a person, you know, mm-hmm. uh, in the middle of taking, taking on the world. But, you know, but she, she you know, kept her composer. Um, and, and particularly, you know, the Trump administration, I think, was, you know, absolutely horrible to her, uh, both, you know, professionally, but also, you know, just in, like personally also. Mm-hmm. I mean, to issue sanctions against her and a colleague, Bakicho Machocho. Um, I mean, that is unheard of. I mean, this is an international court supported by the majority of, of countries um, um, in the world. Um, you know, so there was a, lots of attacks uh, on her. There was even attacks on her in her own country. Mm. Um, you know, she was a former justice minister in Gambia um, and, and served under, you know, uh, yeah, um, Yahi uh, Jameh, who mm. was a dictator. Sure. Um, so there was a lot of attempts, even from their, their quarters, you know, to take her on. Um, so clearly, I mean, she was a very determined, she was a very strong, um, uh, oh, so she's a very strong, sorry, person. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not, you know, there were some failures, of course, also, um, um, in Africa. Uh, um, I think, we had, you know, the cases against Kenyan, former Kenyan, Uhura Kenyatta, yes, and yes. his deputy William Butu that collapsed. Yes, yes. Um, you know, um, that should have been a, a case um, that should, you know, did a course sort of press hold. Um, and then also the fact that in Uganda, uh, there has been no prosecutions or in the DRC. Mm. Um, again, you know, these, you know, sort of obvious places where she, you know, she could have scored a victory. Um, and Ivory Coast, the court has always been accused of only taking on the losing side yeah. in a prosecution there. And I mean, you just think about it, you know, um, in Libya, Gaddafi, the Gaddafi regime, yes, yes. Um, only warrants have been issued, you know, one has been taken on, um, um, there. Um, yeah, so, but um, there are some new prosecutions, um, you know, that she started, which a, a, a predecessor will have to take on, you know, Ukraine, Nigeria. In yeah, that, that's, the uh, I, yeah, that's the question I wanted to ask you, Professor Kumet, in terms of the, the fact that she has taken on a, a different landscape of type of cases for the ICC. And it kind of shifts the role of the ICC as we've known it to be. How critical was this particular move that was made by Fatoub Suda? Because ironically, she did exactly what Africa was hoping she would do. Absolutely, that's exactly. And I didn't think that really was her strength. And it was mm. her, you know, when she persuaded, um, because uh, for me, you know, tactically, she really was brilliant. Uh, because he kept on engaging with the African and with individual African countries. Uh, on the one hand, he broadened the scope of the investigations, you know, globally. Um, she kept on taking on the big powers. Or yes, you know, um, she wasn't making any in, inroads. The Trump administration issued sanctions against her. Um, you know, she didn't back down. Um, so really, I think a successor really has a great foundation now. 
Um, and hopefully because of the change in the U.S. with the Biden administration, hopefully, you know, mm-hmm. a successor will make some inroads. But I, I can tell you, a successor is also going to be on a huge attack. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be interesting whether he will be as adept uh, and as, you know, uh, sure-footed um, as he was. Mm. Uh, Sanusha, what, what are your thoughts around these new cases and how they broaden uh, the scope of the ICC's work? Uh, because mm. this, this is a terrain that we've never seen them function in before. Yeah, I think just to t- uh, pick up on the point that William made, I think the, the, the successor, Mr. Khan, is going to have a lot to, to prioritize because he, she has, in a way, left him a legacy that he has to now decide whether the ICC remains fixed on particular cases uh, that needs to be brought to the ICC and, and based on particular regions of the world, or is it an ICC that can move beyond that to even include those actors and those countries where uh, there haven't been signatories to the ICC, in particular the U.S., but in, in terms of what she has done is that she's opened up the gambit uh, for, for him to now think what will be the mandate of the ICC going forward. It's no longer just... Uh, 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 pertaining to countries that are basically uh, signatories to the ICC, but it also pertains to issues now that are extending beyond what was the original, I think, the mandate of why the, the U.S. and other uh, uh, countries that haven't signed on but talked about a, an ICC to govern the, 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 criminal just, the international criminal justice of the world. Um, basically, now they have to think about how that expands, extends to them. Hence the whole attack by the Trump administration towards her, but also the fact that she he's, she's left uh, questions around uh, the the Palestinian issue. Now that's not only about Israel; that's about all all actors in that conflict, including Hamas and others, and what role that they play against crimes. Uh, uh, criminal justice issues in that way. The mm. question of the Rohingyas, the question of, you know, for, for, for Russia, it will be questions around Georgia uh, and other, uh, other issues that Russia has uh, basically overstepped its boundaries around in terms of what they're doing. I mean, take, take Crimea, for example, or what's happening in, in the Eastern Eurasian context. Uh, in the case of China, will, 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 does this open up the door for China in terms of Xinjiang um, and, and so forth and so forth? And I think for him, it's about the question of prioritizing whether he wants to continue that, knowing that there's a tightening budget at the ICC, that the capacity that he wants, and, the, and I think that is why there was, this, mm-hmm. there was almost mm-hmm. this, 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 this kind of codicil he attached to his comments about the role that he's going to step into, yeah. saying that I'll take cases that are winnable. So he's also going to be assessing the, the, the capacities, the political structure, the dynamics, the geopolitics that underpin this whole thing and say, you know, what is, what, is, what is the case that I want to win? Because he's a defense lawyer. So obviously he's coming from a particular trajectory of how he sees the law. But at the same time, he's now no longer on the other side of the, of, of the table. He's on the, on the side of, def, of, of taking on the, the cases, very people yeah. he defended. Hmm. So he has to think about that. But if there's a, is if that there's a good a, thing? Is that a good? Sorry to interrupt you there, Sanisha, because I think it's, a, it's an important point that you're making there. Is, is that a good thing? Because I'm also thinking of the dynamic that uh, he's also a British barrister, which is mm-hmm. very Eurocentric approach to, to, mm-hmm. to legal matters. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on, on the dynamic that you brought alongside where he comes from? I think it's, it's going to be very important for him to try and divest himself. And remember, he's representing an international body. He's, going to, he's holding the face of that body. He's going to have to try and make sure that the, that the role of the International Criminal Court and its mandate is carried out according to its treaty and, 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 and what governs its treaty and what governs its, its charter. And more importantly, he's not a British national right now. 
he may be of British, he may be a British national by descent, but mm. he's actually now in an international court. He has to see this as the court, as, as taking on the, how, how, he, how he creates the credibility and legitimacy of the court and not being biased, because this court is inherently biased in the way that it comes across. Uh, and those contradictions around its inherent biasness, I think, is something that Benesuda uh, Fatio, Fatio had done really well to try and make it as much as she could apolitical, but not completely apolitical. But at the end of the day, I think she's left him with that legacy to say, this is what you have to think about the world that we're going into, because we're entering a world, we're actually in the age of impunity, yeah, where, yeah. where a country like Israel can bomb the, the occupied territories and mm. think nothing of it, mm. where we have people in the DRC that are constantly being attacked, think nothing of it. We've got Mozambique, where we're seeing these issues happen, think nothing of it. And I think that at the end of the day, it's that age of impunity, how he's going to deal with this. But I want to come back to the point of what his capacity is and mm. what the resources are and the capabilities are, because sure. I think that's going to be a determining factor for what goes forward. If indeed those that are, that are, that are financing the ICC, the, the where the money comes from, if those big countries decide you are now going against us and so it's going to be a kind of tit for tat, we're going to try and limit the resources that get into, uh, that we give to the ICC, that also compromises the ICC and what it can and can't do. And I think this is where the idea of how the funding mechanism and how the resource capabilities of the ICC is strengthened, mm-hmm. whether he strengthens, strengthens it to the, in, in terms of giving more, more, more specialized uh, uh, focus in terms of particular co- uh, particular cases, and he strengthens the capacity of the of the ICC prosecu- uh, the office of the prosecutor. Because I think in the case of Lauren Bachbo, hmm. it was the fact that they didn't have sufficient evidence, and I think that's the challenge as well. Absolutely. But it also is a double-edged sword for him. Mm. Well, a final question as as we wrap it up. Let me bring it to you, Professor Gomete. Almost changing the trajectory of the conversation we've had. So, what do we do now? with Fatou Bensouda? What do we do with this mind and a person who has such a, a legal um, experience? I mean, I, you know, I, I thought to myself, okay, where does she go now after almost like serving in one of the biggest international legal bodies? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's going to be very difficult um, uh, for her where to go from the top of her game. Um, in the world. I mean, ideally, um, it would be lovely if she could come back to Africa. Um, you know, lead, uh, um, um, you know, our um, continental um, uh, beefing it up, bolt it up. Um, she could potentially be involved, you know, special tribunals uh, in Africa. Um, but again, you know, um, we don't know her own personal uh, uh, sure. career trajectory. Mm. Uh, you know, where else it goes, you know, perhaps to the UN, you know, to head um, the UN investigation team. Uh, again, that will still be almost lesser than the ICC. Mm. Uh, but I mean, she's got a, you know, she's got a, a, a long career still ahead of her. Uh, potentially, she may have political ambitions and go back um, to Gambia and become the president of the country. Oh, that sounds like a good idea, Sanusha, doesn't it? <laughs> Absolutely, I think it's time for a change. <laughs> I mean, you know, I ask this question, Sanusha, because we have a lot of brain uh, draining in, in, on the continent where we have these expertise, but we really hardly bring them back into the continent. Yeah, no, I think there's something, I mean, I think the, the, 
big challenge for her is the decision she makes in terms of where she wants to go after this. What is the next step in the life of Benesudo Fato? Taking on her, her, her legacy from what she left at the ICC, but taking it into a much more kind of uh, a, a pragmatic way that she gives back or whatever, whatever she sees as her, as her legacy uh, after the ICC. I think that the challenge we have in the continent is that we look towards the world and we see the, we see the outside world having more benefits for us than within the continent. And I think it's time the continent starts to uh, keep these, these, these skills, keeps, keep the, the, the knowledge, keep the, 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 the experts within the continent. We, we see it across the spectrum, whether it's in academia, whether it's in the corporate sector, whether it's in, 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 in different spaces. And I think the, problem, the challenge is that I would like to see personally, if it's possible, with her connections with the AU and thinking that the AU is going through its own existential transformation Absolutely. and seeing a new generation of leaders come in, mm-hmm. I would like to see her go into the African court of peoples and human rights and, and capacitated to mm. becoming an African ICC. Well, thank you to both of you for giving us your insights. I, I've always find it a privilege for myself and also for our listeners to always broaden the context of these headlines because they just give us an understanding of the continent much better. And without you experts, we would not be able to do so. So thank you to Sanusha Naidu from the Institute for Global Dialogue from the University of, Uni- of, of South Africa. That's also known as UNISA. Thanks as well to Professor William Gumete from Democracy Works Foundation. We really appreciate your time. Always a pleasure, Benjamin, and please be well. Thank you, thank you. I'm going to just uh, head back home right now after this program. <laughs> thank you both. Thank you, take care, take care. Bye. Sure. African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting.